Um, so Summer Church, we were able to uh, literally unplug. And we sat sometimes around the fire, sometimes it was around the grass, sometimes it was in the driveway, and sometimes it was crammed in someone's living room because of a random rainstorm. And basically we unplugged and we got to get to know each other first of all. We got to know each other, we got to hang out, we got to get our backgrounds, we got to hear what we're doing this summer, we got to talk about things that we're like, I actually knew this person for how many years and I had no idea about that. And those stories have been coming up and I think that's really great, especially since the pandemic, we had a chance to reconnect our friendships. Amen? So that was one thing that did happen. The other thing is that we were able to dig into God's word a way that up here is different than us sitting in a circle and say, okay, let's read scripture. What's God saying to us? And then all these pockets start coming out and people's like, God's saying this, God's saying this, and this is coming out and this is coming out. What does your version say to this? And God was really starting to open up things that we kind of would have known from maybe when you were younger, if you've been to church since you were a younger age, to a story I've always known was, huh, I miss that all these years. And that's really awesome. So we were able to, to dig into what God wanted to say in those moments as a, as a group, as a, as a community together. We were able to worship unplugged. There was no lights. There was no stage. It was literally lawn chairs, acoustic, whatever the drums called. Like, it was, and that was a favorite, and I love that. It's, it's how people have done it for how many hundreds of years, right? And we were able to do that. We were able to do communion together. That was a favorite. That was a highlight. Where we were able to even answer questions of what is communion? What is it really, what is its main reason? Why, why did Jesus want us to take communion? And we were able to open that up. And then we have new friendships, and we had a baptism, to like <laughs> tie it with a bow. Yeah, that was really exciting, right? And so through that, even though it looked different, God was still the same through it all. And so now we are relaunching in, into our next season, which is fall, next week, back here, church in the morning, but we're going to go to the beach that night, but we're back here, church in the morning. And what I'm hoping, church, is that since we've experienced what summer church was like, summer church is church. It was just that season called, that's why we called it summer. But that's church. That's church life. And we want to keep that church life happening when we're in the building and when we're outside the building. Is that okay? Can we do that? Because that is how we do life together. If we start coming back and we, we don't meet or connect with people and we sit in our chairs, which it can get easy to do. I am one of those two. Break it. Break it. Mentally know that and break it because we're meant to do life together. All right, there it is. There's our, our summer recap. I know there's actually some really cool stories more, but maybe throughout the year we'll open those up. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my family and I were able to go to Prince Edward Island. Never in my wildest dreams had I ever thought I'd go there. When we studied social studies in BC, New Brunswick and all these places over here, I was like, whatever, to you this place. Now I'm like, yes. But then I was like, I'll never go there. What's the point of over there? We got to go there. And I can say that was a great few days out there and the beaches out there are gorgeous. And um, while I'm out there, we are, I'm reading a book or rereading a book called Sun Stand Still by Stephen Furtick. And if you haven't read it, that is a recommendation I have. It's an easy read and it's a challenging uh, life read. Okay. So I recommend it. 
But there's a story that came out of it where, where he's talking about his son in the ocean and they're playing and they're wave jumping. And as I was out on the beach, the, literally the same thing that he was talking about was happening in front of me. And there was this one father and he had a daughter, maybe four or five year old, just a little girl. And she was in the water up to her knees and jumping the waves as happy as can be. And she'd do little skips and thought she was like rocking it. And her dad's going out going, yeah, yeah. And then come a little bit further, come a little further. And she's like, okay, okay. And then as the waves starting to get a little bit higher, she goes, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to. And he's like, no, come, come, you can jump the waves. And as she's like, oh, so she got a little, she's little and she's going out there. I bet it was cold and she's going out there and then the wave is coming and I was watching them rolling in and I was like, man, dad, you're going to get in trouble. She's going to get smacked in the face and you know, there's going to be crying and I'm, I'm going to, it's not going to be good. And I was watching it happen and all of a sudden dad, she reached up her hands like this, she's about to embrace the wave and her father just lift her up and the wave just hit her in the knees and she just squeals and she's laughing and she's excited. And she's like, again, dad, again, again, again. And that's, I didn't go in, well, I kind of went in the water, but that was my entertainment, watching that happen. And what was starting to download, download to me is that, isn't that God's picture for us? God's faithfulness is that when we're, we're out there a little bit and we're like, yeah, I can take these hits. I can take these little waves and this is good. This is an adventure. And then God says, come a little bit more, a little bit deeper, a little bit more. And you go, okay. And you just get a brace for it. And then there's the times where you go, oh, God, help. And your hands go up. And the father there is faithful to lift you over those waves. And you realize it's not as bad as it could be if your hands didn't go up. Today, I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. A little bit about that. Um, I'm calling my message. And there's no slides up here, so you're really going to have to listen. There's no, uh, I'm calling it the plain and ordinary. Plain and ordinary. And you may relate to this, because I, I definitely relate to this. I am not a professional dancer. As a kid, I wanted to be a professional dancer. And I would practice in my room in front of the mirror, and I would, I would choreograph my own dances. I even taught a little bit of dance to younger kids when I was a teenager, young adult. But I never went into like a dance program. So I'm not a professional dancer, but the show So You Think You Can Dance was like an inspiration. And I was like, way to go, young people, you can do it. And I even said, right when I got married, I was like, that'll be me. Just watch. And it still has not been me. So I know that I am not a professional dancer. I am not an Olympic athlete. I know after how many steps I'm trying to complete, I am dying out there. And I will not be an Olympic athlete. I am not a celebrity, nor do I ever want to be a celebrity. This whole online thing, I was like, yes, God, we're reaching people. And I was like, I do not want to be on the camera. I don't want my picture taken. I am, that is like not even a celebrity talk, but I do not want to be anywhere near a camera. I am not a celebrity. I was not born into royalty. Um, I'm definitely not a famous musician or artist. I would consider myself plain and ordinary. That, and I'm okay with that. I consider myself plain and ordinary. And you may have your things that's going through your mind going, yep. Yeah, yeah, I would consider myself maybe a little bit ordinary. I don't know if I'm all special and all that some people are very, they have these amazing talents. But today we're talking about the plain and ordinary. Now during summer church, we opened up the Bible and we read scripture. So if you have your Bibles, there's nothing on the screen. So if you have your Bibles today or your phones, I'm going to read a whole chapter today. And then I'm going to do a recap, just like what we did at summer church. And uh, some of the recaps that came out, I was like, I could listen to you all day talking about that. 
Kimberly. <laughs> and I was like, maybe she'll do a recap on this. No, no pressure, no pressure. But I was like, when she does a, a recap on something, I was like, yeah, just record yourself and I'm going to learn. But I'm going to read Exodus chapter 2. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. And we're going to hang out with Moses. We're going to chat about Moses today. Plain and ordinary Moses. So I'm going to start reading. If you don't have anything to read, just listen. Chapter 2, verse 1. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when he could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket along the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. So this is now Moses' mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of the fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked, why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered, and then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he? Their father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation, and he settled there with him. In time, Ruel gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. Later, she gave birth, or she gave birth to a son. Moses named him Gershom, for he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. 
God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the word that we are going to dig into today. God, thank you for Moses, who um, was an ordinary guy, but he, uh, he heard your call and he was obedient to you. Today, Jesus, we ask that you speak to us, speak to our hearts, into our ears, into our minds. God, we ask that you speak to us exactly where we are. As our message that you speak could be different from the words that I give, Jesus, I just ask that, you, that everyone here receives something from you today. I give this to you, and we pray your name. Amen. So now comes the point where we recap. So just as Exodus 2, I read it. This is my recap, my quick recap. So Moses was born into slavery. Okay, he was born into slavery, the time when all the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and under the rules of Pharaoh. The Israelite people were growing in numbers. Lots of Israelites were growing in numbers, and Pharaoh freaked out. He did not enjoy that the Israelites were, were outnumbering. And so what happened is that he decreed that all the baby boys be killed. The girls can live boys cannot. And this is going to control the growing population. Moses was born and he was hidden for three months. When it got to the point where his mom could no longer hide him, made a, made a basket, put him in the river. He floated down. Pharaoh's daughter picked up the basket, said, oh, cute baby. I am now going to adopt baby. I need someone to take care of baby. I'm going to now take baby back. Long story short, Moses grew up in the, in the palace of Pharaoh. Okay, now came a time where Moses then went outside and he's cruising around the neighborhood and he saw an Egyptian soldier beating up a Hebrew man. And he looked around and he killed the Egyptian, buried him and let it be. The next day he went out and now the Hebrews are grumpy with him going, who are you? You're doing this and you're doing that. Now, Moses kind of goes, oh, no, everyone found out that I just killed the guy. I am a murderer. I'm going to run away. And off he went. That is my recap. Not as good as Kimberly's, but that is my recap. All right. The best part of all that, though, is the last verse of chapter 2, when God looked down and at, looked on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. It was time to act. I love that. Now, let's remember that Moses was a nobody. He was technically a nobody. He was a slave. He was born into slavery, and he was supposed to be killed. He had no purpose. Someone already destined his purpose, and that was to be killed before he was technically even a child, a young person. He was supposed to be killed. But instead, he was adopted by Pharaoh, the enemy of his people. Moses was born into slavery. He became a murderer. And it also says that he wasn't a good communicator. So he did not have a lot of confidence in himself. He did not, uh, you got you to imagine that he's born, he knew that. He was born in Hebrew. He's now living with the enemy, right? You got to have a lot of identity issues going on. Who am I? Who am I? And now he's trying to figure that out. And he ran away. His confidence level is not there. And he's hoping to start off brand new. 
but God saw Moses and had a plan for Moses. God sees you. God sees me. He sees our ordinary lives. He sees our mess ups. He sees who our families are. He sees where we came from. And we can think that we are just ordinary people, that we don't have much to offer. But God sees us. And in Ephesians 1, it even explains that we are a pleasure to God. We may be ordinary, but God brings the extra so we can live the extraordinary life with him. In chapter 3, we see Moses at work doing what he does each and every day. Each night, each morning, he's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Well, that's a life, right? He's living with his father-in-law. He's taking care of his sheep. In Exodus 3.1, it says, He led the flock into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, remember, Moses is the guy who led the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt, away from, from Pharaoh and his military, the guy who walked through the wilderness, the guy who split the Red Sea, and he took the, his people, or God's people, to the promised land, the one who met with God personally in Mount Sinai. Before all that happened, Moses was in the wilderness. He was leading his flock, and he was at Mount Sinai. God was preparing him for leadership, living the life of a shepherd. He was preparing Moses ahead of time. He was already in the desert. He was already learning how to lead and protect the flock. God was getting him ready to free the Israelites from Pharaoh's grasp before Moses even knew the plan. All that was happening before he even knew. So what does that mean about us? Where have we lived? Where have we come from? What stories have we gone through that maybe we just closed that book to that chapter because it wasn't too good? What have we walked through? Maybe we wake up each day and night or and go to bed each night not thinking about the extraordinary life that we could have. What has God been preparing for you that you may not be noticing right now? Where are we right now in your day-to-day -day life? That might just be mundane stuff. But it could God have placed you there for something for the future? You know, in Esther 4.14, you were born. You were born for such a time as this. Moses was born and saved. Moses was born for such a time as then. Esther, where she found herself in a position to rescue people from death. But she was feeling unsteady because she was putting her own life at risk. But she trusted in God and that he put her in that position at that time to do what was needed to be done. And she saved her people because of obedience. Where has God placed you for such a time as right now? Moses was at Mount Sinai when God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. What Moses is, a, is unaware of is that he was eventually leading the Israelites out of slavery and will end up also at Mount Sinai to meet with God personally. What is God preparing you for? You know, I've heard, and I feel too, the craziness going on in our world. You hear it, you see it, you live it, you hear other people worried about it, but we can continue to always worry because worry will never leave if you let it happen. 
It'll always consume if you let it to consume. We can worry about the crazy, what's going on in our economy, in and around the world. But here's the good news, is that God has placed you here for such a time as now. If, you, if God said before you were born, no, that's not that, that person's time, you would not be here. You are placed for right now in this time of day. Through the chaos, through the hell, so say it. But God has placed you here for a reason. And he knew that the economy and the craziness of the world was going to be like this. And you are still here. You are supposed to be here. God has placed you here for to right now, for tomorrow, and so on. His plans are good. He never makes a mistake. You are equipped to handle life today with God. Because he's faithful. When we put our hands up, just like a child, he lifts you up. He is faithful. God spoke to Moses, telling him that he, was, that he will go and free his people out of Egypt. You know how Moses answered? He didn't go, yeah, I got this. This is going to be awesome. He went, uh-uh. Who am I? Who am I? That ain't me. That's not my thing. That's how he, that's how he answered how many times have we said that? I've said that. Uh-uh, that's not my thing. Moses felt inadequate for his job. And it's natural for him to feel that way. Because the truth is that he was inadequate by himself. God wasn't asking Moses to work alone. He was asking Moses to work with God. That God had the plan, but, God, but Moses is the person to do the plan. If Moses kept saying no, God's going to find someone else. But in this case, Moses said yes. Moses needed to activate his go, which would activate his faith. God brought his extra to Moses' ordinary. Extraordinary is what God was asking Moses to do. And that is what God is also asking us to do. God is asking us to activate our go. Now, we're going to give time for ministry time and all that, but... What I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, or I don't know how many weeks ago, is that we're going into a season of build, a building season. And I didn't know what that looks like. And, and as these weeks went on, I was like, maybe, maybe that's just a Caitlin thing and a Brad thing because we're, we're building a house. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe it's not actually for a church or maybe it's not a series. Like, God, what is this? And during worship, I felt God was saying, it's not time to stand back and watch. It is now time to come and see. Church, we have a choice. We can stand back and watch. We can watch Moses walk and do the Red Sea and we can follow and we can be like, I watched that happen. That was an amazing story, and we're set free. And I watched him go through it, and I watched the, the Egyptians die. God is awesome. But we have the choice to be like Moses. We have the choice because God is calling each and every one of us personally and as a church gather, as a church community, where each of us can be like Moses, where he's saying, now is your day. You are here today because there is a purpose and a reason. Just because your family did this or this happened doesn't tell you that's who you are right now. Because God is saying, you may be ordinary, but I'm bringing the extra to your life. And you can live the extraordinary. 
So the building season is actually where our church is and where we are individually at because it's time to build our faith. It is time to build our faith. It is time to build our time in the word with God. It is time to build our time with worship. It is time to build our relationships with people here and out of here and family. Because when we can build from the healthy foundation that God is building the walls of the church, which is people, from there, that is how we reach the unreached. That is how those who are lost are no longer lost. Because we have been building who God is saying we are. Does that make sense? It's just starting to download to me. Yes, we're building out here. CCCA is building, and it's fantastic, and we're growing. Yes, downstairs, Kids Church is building, and it's going to grow, and it's going to get renovated, and we're going to bring in kids and families. Yes, yes, Brad and I are renovating, and it's crazy. And I go, oh, all the time, and Brad goes, we are almost there. And I go, oh, God, one more day. <laughs> and I cry, and I go, one more day. But that's not what build is. Build is saying yes to Jesus. And if right now is not the time for you and you're saying, I'm not sure that's okay. I say that that's okay because that's between you and Jesus. But for everyone else, Jesus is saying, come and see and come and taste. Come and taste. Because what I have is good. I'm going to call Brad up and he's going to play some music. But today, I want to give time for God to do something. This isn't going to be a church service where I say, let's pray and let's go drink coffee and go sit at the fire. We will do that, I promise. But now it's between you and God. We saw how Moses was like, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't me. But then we if you look further in what, through all of Exodus, what his life looked like, God was there the whole time, lifting his arms up. When he went to the Red Sea and went, oh God, I got hell behind me and I got water in front of me. Oh God, he lifted his hands and the water split. The extraordinary was right there. It comes with faith and believing. Faith only happens when we accept and we, and we make the movement in it. We can say we can believe all we want. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his goodness. And I say that all the time. I believe that I can reach my neighbors. I believe I can reach my family. I believe that the people in my family will be healed. I believe that my neighbors will be saved. But just because I say I believe over and over again, how does it happen? God can do anything. But he's calling us. He's calling us to be the extraordinary because God's moving us. God is living through us. God is asking us to be the hands and feet. He's asking us to build. He's asking us, open my word and taste and see. Open my word and see that I am real. I am not just words in a book. I am not a textbook. I'm not a history book. But I am truth. I am life-giving. It is time to build ourselves with our relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Just like how our relationships grew over the summer, Jesus is saying, that's the relationship I want with you and more. 
So between you and Jesus right now, I encourage everyone to close your eyes. And between you and Jesus, have a conversation. And it might go, Jesus, I don't know you, but I want to. And if that's you, if that's you today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer on how you can have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you may also be here. You're going, Jesus, I'm walking the wilderness, and I don't really see where <laughs> you're leading me or, or what my next steps are. And you want to have that conversation with Jesus. But if you're here today, and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Jesus died for you on the cross. And he rose again three days. He took the burdens and the sin of the world. He took your sin. Before you were born, he took your sin onto him. So you can live with him forever. That you can have a, a lasting relationship with the King of Kings forever. If that is you and you're in this room and you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, I want to pray for you. And my eyes are open because this is a this is this is a personal big step for you. So with all other eyes closed and my eyes open because I want to pray and lead you in this. If this is you, can you just give me a little wave? And if this is you, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And it's a conversation between Jesus, just like I'm having a chat with you guys. And just repeat after me, whether out loud or in your mind, he hears it all. Jesus, thank you so much that you love me, that you died for me, that you took all my sin on so I can have a relationship with you. Today, I ask that you be my Lord and Savior, that you lead me and guide me, that you help me and talk to me, that you answer my prayers, that you grab my hands when I lift them up. Please forgive me. I want to follow you, and I love you.